0: You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCCW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani are the hosts of this program. We are two Texas licensed attorneys and we have the legal connection every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. on 104.5 and 106.1. And you can also listen on IRLoneStar.com and you can watch us live on Facebook and also send us messages on Facebook questions. We'd be happy to answer them. Uh, We do this radio show as a public service to help our listeners uh, work their way through legal situations or just for general legal information. Uh, Today, Tony and I are going to be talking about ICE changes and, you know, just some basic costs uh, that were surprising to me, Tony. When I started looking into ICE and what was spent nationally, I was in complete and total shock, Mm -hmm. but we're going to be talking about ICE and we're going to be talking about the uh, Brett Busby, the uh, the uh, 14th Court of Appeals judge that Governor Abbott just appointed to the Supreme Court of Texas, right? Yeah, so uh, let's just get started on um, uh, immigration, let's talk about that first, okay. okay? Um, it's been in the
2: news uh, a lot lately because uh, you know, Trump pretty much his platform was that he would build a wall. Uh, to secure our borders, and he's been going through, you know, uh, quite a bit of uh, work to try to get the funding for that wall, Mm -hmm. and uh, not a lot of support for it, at least up in Washington, Mm D.C., but uh, I think here in Montgomery County, there's a a great deal of support for it, and, um, you know, I do a Bible study on on Friday nights, and some of the kids in there were just, like, so not pro-Trump, and they were, they were what, what do you call it when someone's against somebody, against Trump? Uh, Anti-Trump. Anti-Trump, thank you, uh, because he was against the wall, which was odd, because all of these kids are Because ripped. he was for the wall. Oh, right, because he was for the wall. And the, these kids were like, Trump, you know, he's so bad, and they just are misinformed about all of this. I mean, it's not right. that, I mean, people should, I think the, the, the bottom line is, it's, like in other shows that we talked about, people should- uh, we're, we have borders that are open for people that apply the right way to come in legally. To it's a privilege, not a right, to be uh, a citizen, and, or a um, guest
1: in someone else's country. Right, right. a guest and, in a country. You know, that's And the
2: argument is, uh, you know, just like like uh, rich people have, and all these people from Hollywood have walls around their homes, and you lock your doors. Well, if they want to have open borders and not have their doors locked, then they, the, the, then obviously they don't. Then that would they shouldn't be supporting not having the wall because it protects us. And so, uh, just I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, the Pentagon approved. Uh, I think it was a billion dollars mm-hmm. for for defense. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't even. Uh, you know, I don't have we don't have all the stats in front of us, but but basically, uh, Trump was trying to get funding through Congress. And then he, uh, and then that was uh, for
1: for his wall. For and he, and, he
2: shut down the government. So right. That,
1: and did what was that? I'm I'm thinking it was five million dollars, or was it? How much was it that Congress said they would approve? It was it something wall? Do you much less than
2: what he wanted. Right. And then, uh, and of course, he shut down the government after they even threw him a bone. But then he had these other ways to get it through Congress. And mm-hmm. then, of course, uh, he, he he enacted the, his emergent the right to the emergency, you know, protocol to be able to get the funding. But now it looks like he's getting it a different way. He's getting it Mm -hmm. through the Pentagon, through defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got his budget to build at least 57 miles of the wall. And that led us to look into, uh, to have a little segment again on, on immigration, customs, and enforcement, and how we're affected by it here in Montgomery County, because we've got the processing processing center for the southwest Texas area here in Conroe now. So we are doing, as attorneys, more immigration work and mm-hmm. being exposed to that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So what do you have?
1: You, you found some statistics that were I mind-boggling. Did, about, about cost. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think that we can agree that there's been a total collapse of bipartisan effort to To do something about immigration, yes. Um, and as a result of that, as what you just described to our listeners, it's just turned into a ridiculous fight. Right. And that's know? not to
2: say that um, that that Im- we fight as attorneys to keep people that are here uh, that didn't come in legally here. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I have many, many friends that are here that aren't legal. Right. Which you know, and not just from Mexico, but from all different countries. Right. Many, many countries. Um, and we want to help them because they're our friends, and right. they help us a lot, right. but they—they're they're, there's not an entitlement issue here, at least with the people that I know at right. all, right. whereas some people do have an entitlement issue, I and mean, those are the ones that, that aggravate me, like the gal up there in New York, what's their AOC, or you know wanting people to come in and have no borders. Oh, and, right. You know, just, yeah. No, that's wrong, but, mm-hmm. but we do help them, and so a lot of our, our, our practice now, well, not a lot of it, but a, a percentage of it, is to help people... It be indoctrinated and to be able to stay here to become citizens. So,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, um, you know, the detention of non-dangerous immigrants uh, is a, a very expensive. We spend uh, billions of dollars a year just detaining these United immigrants States. in the United mm-hmm. States, detaining these immigrants and feeding them, housing them, and assisting them with their legal. Uh, Whatever one thing or whatever they need. This is outside
2: of Catholic charities and sponsors. This is the government.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And I mean, that's a great point. Catholic charities. I mean, do you have any idea how much they spend? Quite a bit. Yes.
2: Because they are there at the border, but, but they do it the right way, really, in the sense that if they are going to welcome them in, then they're footing the bill and trying to find them sponsors. And, you know, in my opinion, if if there is a right way around, you know, trying to get around, if they come in illegally, Catholic Charities is doing a very good job.
1: They, I completely agree with that. You know, in the uh, fiscal year 2018, the federal government spent approximately but more than $3.076 billion on Department of Homeland Security custody operations and $8.43 8. million per day on immigrant detention, so that's... that was
2: one year. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, wow. yeah. And so that's one year, and we've had this fight about the wall for. I mean, how long has that gone on? Two years yeah. or longer. And I mean, Trump, they spent three point zero seven six billion, or eight point four three million per day on immigrant detention. Which and,
2: can you, I mean that's not, that's not monopoly money. That's no. real money that could be going to infrastructure and. You know, roads, our education, our all these things that the you know the, the liberals want to you know throw out for free. They might actually have some funding for it if they you know a, a lot have a better budget for what they were they were doing. But but here you go, that's just incredible.
1: That's two point and two hundred and eight dollars per day per detainee. I don't know if I already said that's, that. That's that's more than
2: that's a nice hotel stay for anybody. Two hundred eight dollars a day.
1: That's a, a hundred. That's a a nice hotel stay and a meal. No kidding. I mean, we were talking before the show. I could live on that, you know. Uh-huh. But these these are interesting t- statistics. Okay. So basically, what Trump has done is he's ramped up the detainment of everyone, nonviolent criminals, and mm-hmm. uh, people with not no criminal record, mm-hmm. and people with criminal record. Right. We're seeing
2: it now because we're getting a lot of calls for people that are all of a sudden picked up by ICE. Mm-hmm. But they're not just all of a sudden picked up. They're picked up, and maybe nonviolent or non-criminal, but it, eventually, just like our our, uh, our guest uh, had come on before, Ms. Sheva uh, Gill, uh, she had told us that eventually they will get picked up. It's just a matter of time. Because they're not, I guess they're not really hiding in plain sight. They're actually living here. But if any traffic violation, um, for any reason, and what we're getting a lot now is angry uh, spouses or girlfriends right. are, that get mad and mm-hmm. they say, "Hey, Ice, there's somebody here. You might want to come pick them up." And Ice will come get them, they sure and they will. take them over to the Montgomery County Processing Center mm-hmm. here off Hill Big that they just built. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I'm going to give them a great big shout out. That is an amazing facility. It's beautiful. It's new. It's clean. It's mm-hmm. fresh, and it's huge. But on the other hand, it's also a detention center. It's mm-hmm. a. It's a. a, a I guess, a limited security or a, a actually looks like a high security detention center mm-hmm. where people that get picked up stay. And that's where we're going a lot now.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, bef- uh, so we're going to talk some more about that. But I just want to give you a rundown. Okay. You're talking about per year. In 2010, we spent for ICE operations uh, $1.771 billion. In 11 2011, we we spent $1.799 billion. In 2012, we spent $2 billion. Uh, in uh, 2013, $1.994 billion. Mm-hmm. In 2014, $2.255 billion. This is billion. So
2: all around $2 billion, more or less.
1: Uh, last year, we spent $3.76 wow. billion. Dollars. Oh, my gosh. It doubled. It doubled.
2: And you know why that is? And we were discussing this earlier. It's because at first, people that were coming over the border were believing that they were going to be turned back or be arrested. And then suddenly, because it was like the, I guess I'm just going to blame it on the liberals, because in a large part, it really is. They saw that Trump's hands were tied. And so, and I believe that they also had, they organized a lot of these marches from Honduras and from Central America. Up, right. Um That they saw they could come over in droves. And so we've had to ramp up all the security to keep, all kinds of people out, but that's why at first it had gone down because people believed that the law was going to be upheld. And then when they saw, oh look, they don't know what they're doing, we can just come on over. Uh, then over in caravans, and they
1: still are. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So I think it's a it's a relevant topic. I mean, we the part you know people
2: they're separating the kids when Obama was doing
1: that all along. You know, this is nothing new. Well, it was a little bit different because I think Obama, it was there, but he wasn't. Yeah, no, you're right. I remember reading several things about how he did enforce same. that. And the cages and all that stuff that the little kids were put in. But <clears throat> it's just, it's it's frustrating because we are spending so much money to deal with this immigration problem, mm-hmm. and it's not being recognized. And you and I were talking about before the show. I mean, if we built a wall, then we wouldn't have to be spending all this right, money right, right. trying it, to. It, everyone
2: knows the wall will work, and it looks like we're finally going to get it. But, but I will say this: uh, some of my clients that that do go back and forth—they're not here legally—but they've, they've. It's um. It'd be nice if it worked that well that people didn't want to stay here. They just came here to work seasonally. They had a visa, you know. They came over here legally. And um, they could come and go with the open border, but it's been abused now. And a lot of uh, the, uh, some of my clients come back and forth over the border and still have, but they have to use a coyote. And we had discussed what that money would be so much better spent if, instead of paying the coyotes and the drug runners that are pretty much guarding their territory. If that went to the United States, as maybe a, uh, a something much lower, but a fee just for a v what what whatever it may be. But they're coming back and forth paying these phenomenally high amounts going back and forth. And it's about, nice. I think that we discussed, it's between seven and 15,000, depending mm-hmm. on how nice your, you know, your coyote is that you come over with. It's not mm-hmm. one of the fish vans, but maybe something a little bit better, maybe even a flight or whatever. Uh, and then they get their, their IDs changed and, 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 you know, there's all kind of things going on. But um, what I learned because of the caravan that some of my clients are telling me that they're getting basically what amounts to a group discount because what was... Um, Eight to nine thousand dollars on the average to come back to the United States and make sure they got here safely back up into the Conroe Houston area. You know, not or just this region mm-hmm. um, has now lower. It's now about six thousand. So they're getting if they this, come
1: over in these large groups, yeah, because it's such a
2: large group that they're getting basically a group discount, and they're they're still coming back and forth. And there doesn't really seem to be a lot of anxiety about you know uh, as long as as long as ICE did not pick you up and you're not incarcerated. That seems to be their biggest fear. Coming back and forth is not a big deal. But, again, the people that I'm dealing with, they're not criminals. They're just workers, mm-hmm. and they don't have family here. Mm-hmm. They're just guys that are coming in and they're working. They're doing the all the work that's keeping Conroe
1: and the Houston area uh, developing as quickly well, as it is. Well, but what about the fact that we're going to take a, a break here in about 30 seconds, but what about the fact that all the money that they make, they send back to Mexico? They take it out of our economy. They do. But
2: on the, on the same turn... They're, they're spending money in our economy to rent and to pay uh, for food and clothing. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not stealing or anything. They're just working. And, yeah, they are sending it back, but they're not making that much that it's making that big of a difference on our economy.
1: All right. We are going to take a quick break. We're talking about ICE, and we'll be right back.
2: Lone Star Boxer Rescue is a non-profit organization serving Montgomery County and surrounding areas, dedicated to the health and well-being of the Boxer breed. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is run and managed 100% by volunteers since 1999. Our main objective is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome Boxers that come to us from any sources, including local animal shelters, owner surrenders, and strays. For more information about Lone Star Boxer Rescue, visit our website at
0: lsbr.org.
1: Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about ICE. We've been talking about immigration. And we're not, a bit, customs, not my ICE skating. Not her ICE skating. <laughs> this is Immigration, Customs, and Enforcement. Okay, so Tony, um, you, so you were saying you've been to the detention center here. It's yes. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh a client or something, some sort of interaction, what you, um, you do,
2: which I'm there. going to be dragging you into shortly, because there is such a demand right now for people that are picked up in these facilities. And, uh, you know, we had the, um, the, the ICE detention center at Export Plaza, which was near the airport for many, many years, mm-hmm. and it's got like, about I think, maybe 400 beds. And, you know, I, I'm going to be off a little bit since I've never realized worked work for ICE, but I was talking to one of the the officers that works there, but they closed that because they're 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 by contract. Um, they're like they're like like prisons. They're contract prisons for detainees, and so they built a new one over here. And many of our detainees ended up at the um, the Duane oh, Dwayne Corley. Listen to me. Mm. Sorry, Duane Corley. I didn't mean that. The Corley Detention Center has nothing to do with Duane Corley, who's a very uh, good attorney here uh, that offices around the courthouse. But um, I always think about him as maybe he's a relative of somebody that. Had started it's his namesake, but um. Anyway, the Corley Detention Centers, where many of our um, detainees were were housed, um, if they were kept here, and they had some other federal issue, and and then they built the the new Montgomery County Process Center that's uh just behind the um behind I say behind it. If you go if you drive down Hillbig, and the further you go down Hillbig, which is where the driver's license place is off First Street, you'll first hit the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office, and then you hit. The Dwayne, uh, say it again. The the Corley the Detention, Corley Detention Center, Center, not the Dwayne Corley Detention. The, that's the Corley Detention Center. And then um, they they built a new facility at the end of that block. And so it's eight hundred six Hillbig. And um, i had a lot of calls of people that were recently detained, and a lot of them don't speak English. And so uh, I'll go down there, and I have generally I'll go down there with um, maybe a a, a, a a rosary book or. Uh, something that's religious because they have it translated English and Spanish, mm-hmm. and it helps them to learn English. But what really surprised me was many, many of my my new clients have been here for years, fifteen years, and they just have not acclimated to learn English, and they really don't. They they kind of hit like I know Spanish. I should know much better Spanish for the number of clients I've had that are that are, are Hispanic, but um, but I don't. But that's, I don't need that to survive. These are people that aren't here right. legally. And to be able to survive, they should learn English, which is a requirement to become a citizen. I know. You need to know English, and you need to know a little bit of history. And so um, my. Uh, so when you go down there, you have to uh, get what's called an EOIR, uh, if you're an attorney, an EOIR uh, number. And that stands for, for some kind of immigration number, but it basically mm-hmm. is a license to practice immigration law and you can get on their website and be able to see where your clients are and what their status is and that kind of thing. So I got there; it's really easy um, uh, if you're an attorney to uh, to get this. And then there there's certain procedures and certain forms you have to fill out in order to go to what's called a um, gosh, I forgot the name of the hearing, but it's basically so that they are uh, they want to stay in the United States and they want to get a bond. Mm-hmm. So it's a hearing to to get a bond so they can stay and then argue the reason. While on bond, that they should be able to stay here permanently, and we've gone over this on our previous shows. Whether it's asylum, or they've got family ties, or you, uh, you know, the 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 gazillion types of visas that you could have here. What are your reasons for staying here? And um, what's really interesting is you'll have these kids that are that are pretty much the DACA DACA kids, and DACA actually is an acronym for something, but they're the Dreamers, right? Dreamers are people that came over here. Uh, not on their own volition, but as children. Mm-hmm. And um, they were brought over by their parents. And mm-hmm. it, But if they were born here, they'd be citizens. And I have a lot of people that within the same family, sisters and brothers are citizens, but their siblings are not because they right. came over and they're a little bit older. Right. So they didn't get they w- didn't win the lotto of being born here. But there's a big, big thing about anchor babies, people coming over and having the baby here so that they can uh, have that tie and the child will be a citizen. And I've had... Several cases where um, there, there there was some question about the midwife and them really being born here. Did, was it phony? Oh. Where they did? I've had to go argue in Austin that the birth certificate is is legitimate because the midwife that signed off on it was legitimate. I have a, There's a whole uh, uh, like I don't I don't say gambit, but there's a there's a, an industry basically of midwives signing off on birth certificates and they weren't really born <laughs> in Texas. Wow. Um, it's just a lot more prevalent than you think, and mm-hmm. because to be a citizen or to right. be in the United States such is a big such deal. an important privilege. And but a lot of people surpass that privilege, and they come over, and that's what we're talking about right now. Right. is um, the people that come over that have been here for a while. Okay, so uh, example typical typical client. I have a, a I have one client right now who has been here for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, How is, old is the client? He is about 30. Okay, so he was 16. Not, nothing, uh, yeah, came, well, he came over here, I take that back, he must have been in water. He, he was 14 when he came over. Okay. Um, he went to school here. High school? Uh, high school. He, for, for whatever reason, he didn't learn English in the high school here. It was here in the Conroe area. Uh, actually, I think it was Willis, but it was in the Conroe general area. And um, he didn't put a lot of effort towards to becoming a citizen. And he didn't marry, has no kids, which is actually good works really hard. Um, Well, why
1: is that good? Why did you say that? Because because I would think it's good if you find someone who's a citizen, then that's a path to citizenship is marriage. um, Why is it good?
2: Well, I think first, I think you shouldn't marry because you want to become a citizen. Well, I'm, I'm not
1: saying that. Yeah,
2: but that's what a lot of people are doing. Oh, absolutely. They're not marrying for love. They're marrying to be a citizen, and the marriages fail. And then you've got these broken homes. Um, which is not a lot of times, but many times you have the broken home because of that. And um, so, but let's just say that they didn't marry for whatever reason. They didn't marry. They didn't have kids, but Mm -hmm. they're good, hardworking people. Mm -hmm. And they have been in the United States for a long time, but they haven't actually acclimated. They've just kind of felt, you know, they've been living the good life, I guess. They're they're part of some of their families are citizens, some are not. And this is a person that's got a really bad um, argument she stay in the United States even though they've been here for 15 years because they haven't tried to become a citizen. They haven't learned the language. They don't they haven't gone through those steps that that although we didn't have to because we were born here, mm-hmm. we, we I guess won the lotto that way, um that that things that you have to do if you are you are not so fortunate and you want to become a citizen. What people do when they wait in line and they take the their number in line, they they, they fill out the forms. They do what they have to do to become a citizen. That's what all people that have come over here illegally should do because it gives them that much better of a chance of staying. Mm-hmm. Now, there was, you know, back in 1986 when Reagan gave everybody the um, amnesty. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that have been here for a certain time, the people that met the requirements got amnesty. That was wonderful, and it was supposed to be the end all. Right. I'm going to give amnesty to the people of here. I'm going to cut them some slack, but don't do it again. It didn't really stop anything. People kept coming over. We had no wall. And um, so I have a lot of people that that uh, are citizens through amnesty that basically brought some of their relatives over um, or, or however they came over and they didn't get the chain migration. It, it For whatever reason, some of these people that came over kind of dispersed into the, the woodwork. Uh, so my client that has no uh, marital uh, status, mm-hmm. has no children, mm-hmm. um, didn't learn, didn't isn't in school, mm-hmm. uh, working really hard. He's got a difficult case because he's not running for, he's, there's no asylum issue. It's Mexico. They've got beautiful coast to coast resorts. Um, th- there's right. no argument for it to be here. Now, uh, saying that i I have to go, I'm going to be representing him in a hearing and I've, you know, it's like 26 pages of argument on, why he should get a bond and be able to stay here. But it's not as easy of an argument if you can meet the other criteria. If he came over illegally. If he had come over legally, it would be a much easier argument. But he didn't. And even uh, maybe if he had parents here, but he does have parents here. Mm-hmm. But they're not legal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's been enough times that's, that's passed since Reagan gave everybody amnesty that it's, not so, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. He was actually dating a woman who got the Reagan amnesty, who doesn't speak any English, who is a hard worker, but she's a citizen now. But um, he's only thirty, and she was fifty, and it was crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. that does not look like a dating situation, and it certainly is not going to look like a dating situation or a marriage situation to the court. immigration right. court judge. Mm-hmm. So, um, so people, if you're out there and you're not here legally, and you speak English, or you know, some people that don't, start looking, going online, look at what it takes, it is going to take to be a citizen, read up on it. Find out those those ways to become a citizen, start working toward it, or you may get picked up and end up in ICE and detained for months at a time at this $208 a, 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 a day night or a night or whatever.
1: How long was your client in ICE?
2: Um, he has been in ICE now for about two months, and he hasn't doesn't, he doesn't done anything wrong.
1: Yeah. It, he How did he get picked up? What happened?
2: Uh, his uh, girlfriend.
1: The 50-year-old?
2: Yeah, the the 50-year-old's the daughter, who's close to the, the guy's age but a little bit younger, um, was just sick of him hanging around the house. She didn't like him. So the daughter called ICE and said, he's causing trouble here at the house. So they went to the house, and they made up a story that um, he was drunk and, you know, belligerent. The problem was they, they arrested him for public intoxication, but he wasn't in public. So I went and I got that dismissed, and now he has no criminal record.
1: Well, good. But he
2: was picked up because... It was just a family argument. This is a family he'd lived with for three years. But he really should have had his own place. Mm -hmm. uh, That wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Um, He should have gone to school to learn English so he could acclimate. Um, That was what I was going to say about my next client. One of the the good ways to become a citizen, if you didn't come here legally, is to marry into it. Mm -hmm. And... um, so you would think after 14 years he'd have somebody other than a 50 year old that he'd mm-hmm. be dating as a good looking guy, but he didn't. I don't know why. I guess he maybe he mommy. liked
1: her. Maybe he liked her. He,
2: yeah, he, I, I should not be passing judgment here. He probably because we her, don't know. It's yeah. hard for it's hard for me to see this as normal to have a 30 year old dating a 50 year old. But but stranger yeah. things have happened. So um okay. So here's client two. Mm-hmm. Client two is a DACA. Uh, well, let me go back to another DACA guy. I had another DACA client. Um, wonderful guy, the sweetest guy you can ever imagine, working three jobs, went to school, was in school, was in community college. Um,
1: spoke English. Obviously. Uh, spoke English.
2: Is is, is a meek, um, humble, everything you'd want a person to be. The kind of per- he 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 represented himself like 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 one of the the disciples. I, I mean, he was just everything you'd want in a son or a person. Just a very kind person, always very giving. But he wasn't here legally. And um, he wasn't married. He was common law married, and and they had a child. So he had everything going for him to stay. Okay. Right. Uh, but he got picked up for smoking pot in his car with his friends while in high school, and we got him a deferred. And then he messed up on the deferred by like one year into it. He smoked pot again, and that was before pot was. They were so much more lenient than they are now mm-hmm. on it. This is mm-hmm. what it was a severe punishment. And so um, he got in trouble. But but Dick was just giving us the sign that we need to okay. take a break. So All we're right. gonna pick up where we left off on okay.
1: that. Okay. Uh, Tony and Cheryl, we are here today talking about ICE and immigration issues. We'll be right back after the break. Finish our story about DACA. Yeah.
0: Alone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music weather and traffic for montgomery county have a question or comment about one of our shows want to know how to reach a host just contact the station at irlonestar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776 get involved with your community with lone star community radio
1: what can the better living for texans program do for you You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better.
0: 3776 to take your first step into the radio world.
1: Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about ICE and, and we're going to wrap up the ICE conversation and then we're going to talk about the new Supreme Court Justice, Brett Busby, that was appointed by Governor Abbott. Um, Okay, Tony. so you were in the middle of your story about this. Yes, it's this.
2: A tale of two cities. Daca um, we have two different, um, uh, the examples I'm going to give are two different DACA clients that I had, meaning they were dreamers. They were people that came over here at one or two years old that spoke very good English and Spanish, so they had, like, bicultural, very, very nice people. I mean, you would never, the, the kind of person that you would hope that your daughter would meet because they were just cute and humble and church-going the whole bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, two different scenarios completely. Uh, one uh, uh, dreamer is what they were called uh, at when Obama came in they were very young at that time that um, ended up uh, ha- holding down three jobs, working really hard, um, had basically, I think he actually had gotten married at that time, had a daughter, but he wasn't a citizen. He hadn't mm-hmm. worked through the paperwork to be here legally. And um, he had gotten picked up for smoking pot and then didn't finish his um pre-trial intervention properly. And so he had that on his record. And, um, it, it, but he kind of was, uh, you know, kind of living, what he called uh, in, 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 he was operating in, in blindside or when, you know, someone's, he was functioning, but he wasn't being picked up. And I forgot what, he was in, what do you call it when somebody's in plain plain sight? Oh, he was functioning in plain sight, but he wasn't here legally. Right. He just hadn't. He just kind of got lax dayschool about it. And then, lo and behold, um, he was going through a speed zone, going into his where he lived over here in New uh, not New Caney, but um, New Waverly. No, not New Waverly, but one of the places off of uh, Fifty Nine and and off of Fifty Nine, uh, kind of close to New Caney, and uh, he was going down the. Uh, the street at like two in the morning he got pulled over for going more than 20 miles an hour uh going through this one speed trap but it was two in the morning so obviously that wasn't it should have been enforced but the police officer was looking to, to give someone a ticket well one thing led to another and he was so afraid that he was going to ice that he escaped the police car and oh, no. they charged him with escape but it wasn't really escape he just leaned over and he opened it with his hand while he had handcuffs on and one thing led to another, and he had, like, nine charges against oh, him. No. And it was like, how am I going to keep this guy here? I love this guy to death. I mean, he was the sweetest guy. He was only, like, 24. And um, I was able to get the, all of his cases dismissed because the wow. police officer that stopped him had um, had lied about um, his record. Anyway, it was a bad police officer, a nice guy, but he, had, he lied about how he got that job, and that's how he ended up in New Caney and not in the Houston Police Force or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was able to get doing my work as an attorney all the... They were just dumb cases. He should never have been stopped to begin with, and I got him dismissed. And so he was able to stay, and now he's a citizen. So that Great. worked out well. Another client, though, um, he was married and had a child and was working towards citizenship, another dreamer. But his wife and him got at odds with each other, and he kept calling the... She was calling the police on him, oh. and he got... Uh, an assault charge, and we got that dismissed. And then we got another assault charge. We got that dismissed. And she was making it up. Uh, she was a snobby little girl from Memorial High School. Ultimately, though, um, he uh, he his parents didn't want to help him get out anymore because he kept going back to this girl. Right. The girl called again. He pled on a deferred. They picked him up. Took him to ICE very recently. I said, "We're not going to. We're not letting you stay because of an assault. We don't care." They didn't actually. They got married, but they got a divorce, and they were living together again. Mm-hmm. So they were likely couldn't, you know, keep away from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, He had custody. It was really, really sad he had custody. She was a drug addict. Um, He ended up getting, we couldn't get him a bond over here in ICE, and he ended up being deported. Mm -hmm. Um, He called me when he got to the border. He's trying to get back so he can take care of his son because he had a reason to be here. What happened to the son? The son is now still with the drug addict girlfriend, but uh, CBS may get involved because his parents weren't here legally. Mm -hmm. Um, He's trying to get back over here, and his only way to get back because he has a record now, mm-hmm. um, was to marry a citizen. And so he's had a, he was here since he was one, and he's like 25 now. I take that back. He's like 30 now. He was here a long, long time. Um, he has now got a fiancé. He's going to get married by proxy. But his journey was really interesting. What they do is he got, he got he went ahead and said, well, just go ahead and deport me. They take you over to the closest uh, port of entry to, I guess it's not really a port, but it's the basic uh, it's the entry to Mexico, which is um, what's their name, uh, Laredo, mm-hmm. New Laredo. Mm-hmm. New Laredo oddly is on the Mexican side, and we have Old Laredo, which is on the, the American, American side. side. So they take you Laredo, they dump you off, they uh, they give you just enough money for a bus, and everybody gets bused over to Monterey. That's the only, the only bus ticket in town is Monterey. Hmm. So he's under Monterey, which is like a little mini Houston, except for it's, he said, it's not as much crime as he's expected. He was expecting drug lords and what have you, but they don't pay anything. They pay like $10 a day. It's like third world country wages. He wanted to get a job at a resort. He couldn't get one. So he's getting ready to get married and come back. That's his ticket home is to get married to someone he met here. Hmm. So that's kind of how it happened. It wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be, but it was still pretty bad.
1: All right. Wow. Well, that's interesting. So, you know, this is a very costly thing. And I mean, I can't even imagine how much we spent on all of that, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we want to talk <clears throat> about Brett Busby, his recent appointment to the Supreme Court yes. of
2: Texas. And you have a little story about Brett Busby. because uh, He
1: swore me in. Yes, yeah, so yep. interesting. Yep.
2: And the, the way I know him is um, I've never practiced before him in any court, mm-hmm. but um, I went to watch a number of 14th Court of Appeals oral arguments. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, you know, if you've got time, if you're down there, if I'm doing in between doing jail visits and and cases, um, I just stop in if there's there's an argument going on. It's very fun to watch. It's to be very quiet, very polite. You'd be dressed appropriately. Mm -hmm. It's almost like going to church. It's very formal. But uh, just go in and watch a first Court of Appeals or 14th Court of Appeals argument. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And I watched him... um, he was uh, over several cases, either as the—I uh, don't—I don't want to say the the head judge, and I'm, I'm using the wrong terminology. But there's three judges that listen to the arguments, and he was either one of the the side ones, or he was the
1: presiding the judge. the presiding
2: judge. Thank mm-hmm. you. And um, but I, he always had the most fair questions. He was always such a humanitarian, and he treated everyone with such respect. Not the way a lot of the judges did, where they kind of talk down to you mm-hmm. and they try to have a gotcha question. Mm-hmm. Just he was such a nice person that mm-hmm. I, I, kind of, I was kind of frustrated that he didn't get reelected when we had the Democratic wave right. elections because he was up for reelection and he was voted out because he was Republican, and um, uh, Governor Abbott appointed him to the Texas Supreme Court, and I was thrilled. Mm-hmm. So I looked him up, and so we had, like, a little bit of interest, like more, sort of a, you know, an attaboy thing about, uh, you know, I want to give him a little a little bit of uh, uh, discussion about Brett Busby in the Supreme Court. Okay, mm-hmm. so Brett Busby is a justice of the <clears throat> Texas Supreme Court, place 8. On February 21st, 2019, Governor Greg Abbott nominated Busby to replace Phil Johnson on the court. The Texas State Senate confirmed Busby on... March 20th, just last week. Yeah, I was thrilled about that. I was afraid that he wouldn't make it through um, because he was Republican. But um, such a fair judge that um, and not really biased whether he's not really liberal or not real liberal uh, or conservative. He's been, the questions he had were so fair that I feel like he's going to probably go even further than that. And that, without going too much further on that, I wanted to bring up one other thing that I read about that I thought this was so interesting. <laughs> um Okay, so Brett Busby is now on our Texas Supreme Court, and that's the Civil Court of Appeals. Um, but President Donald Trump uh, will nominate Justif- Justice Jeff Brown to serve as a U.S. District Court judge for the Southern District of Texas. The White House announced on Friday, just on Friday, uh, Justice Brown has served on the Texas Supreme Court since. Two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. He's another local judge that we had in our system mm-hmm. that's now going to be a federal judge if he makes it past the the nomination process. Mm-hmm. And another really good guy. Have, have you ever had any cases before Jeff? No. Brown? Judge, no, Judge. Now I guess he's going to be Justice Jeff Brown. <clears throat> Love this guy. He is, these are such wonderful appointments and very fair justices that I'm hoping Brett Besby be, that his um, path maybe go the same way as Jeff Brown, but. Uh, before joining the Supreme Court, I'm talking about, this is about Jeff Brown. Before joining the Supreme Court, he served as a justice on the 14th Court of Appeals, just like. All right. The, uh, just justice like Busby. Wesley, um, and before that, as a judge in the 55th District Court in Harris County. After graduating magna cum laude from University of Houston, uh, Brown clerked for Justices Jack Tower and Greb Abbott for the Texas Supreme Court and practiced with Baker and Box. He earned his BA from the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. Back to Busby. Busby is a former Republican Place 3 judge of the Texas 14th District Court of Appeals. Busby was defeated in the general election on November 6, 2018. Busby um, responded to um, uh, responded to Ballotopedia's unique candidate survey, and so we have a little bit more information on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he, uh, his statement is, I've specialized in appeals for 20 years, and I am board certified in civil appellate law, I began my legal career as a law clerk for the U.S. Supreme Court, which I did not know that. Before mm-hmm. taking the bench, I was a partner at Braceville and Patter- Patterson. Listen to me. I'm giving my age away. Uh, Braceville and Gugliani and uh, Supre- uh, superior uh, Super Lawyers named me as one of the top 100 lawyers in Texas. Um, his education is uh, he was an undergraduate from Duke, and he got his J.D. from Columbia Law School. Um just, uh, I know that he was a judge in the, um, I want to say which court he's in. Oh, I don't even have which court he's in right now. Um, anyway, uh, uh, just a really great guy. And I know that we're running out of time here to talk about uh, Brett, uh, Justice Bresby. But well, no, very it's fair wonderful. judge. Good. I'm so happy that he's on the Texas Supreme Court. And I was going to talk a little bit about what it takes to get on the Supreme Court. But I will, how much more time do we have, Dick? Two minutes, okay. Uh, this, I just want to say what it is, to, what what the caseload is on the Texas Supreme Court. Right. Uh, it, this is different from the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals, mm-hmm. where people will uh, they'll get a, a petition for review if they've been found guilty of a felony mm-hmm. and they uh, are, are are misdemeanor. But you'll end up in the highest court in Texas, and that's the Texas. Court,
1: court of, court of, court of, of Appeals. appeals.
2: Yes. Texas Supreme Court is only civil cases. Okay, um, the Supreme Court's caseload can be broken down into three broad categories. Uh, one is determining whether to grant review of the final judgment of a court of appeals, and that is to grant or not grant a petition for review. All right. Two, mm-hmm. uh, the disposition of a re- of regular causes, and that is granted petitions for review. Accepted petitions for writs of mandamus are habeas corpus, certified questions, accepted, uh, certified questions, accepted parental notification appeals, and direct appeals. And the third is at uh, the disposition of numerous motions related to petitions and regular causes of, of action.
1: Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Well, so, we have, we were supposed to have this guest today, National Lemonade Day, but yes. They are actually in Governor Abbott's, or or they're in Austin They are in Austin right now
2: talking to Governor Abbott and a representative about (laughs) Lemonade Day. Right. so we got pushed back until next week. Very, very important. I say important. Important is, is, as I'm kind of giving it some street cred here, Um, Lemonade Day uh, is actually, as we saw it before, last week. It's where it's an organization that was set up as a, a... charitable organization by a Houston entrepreneur. And I believe his name was alt House. What did we say it was last week, Dick? Oh, I can't remember his name again. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, he set it up, and it, it shows kids how to set up a business, how to get mm-hmm. supplies, how to set it up to have traffic. Great. To set up a business, and we were just talking about corporations, partnerships, limited partnerships, sole proprietorships.
1: That's so wonderful it, it because a your, lot of parents can't teach their kids that because they don't know it themselves. I, I want to learn Right. Lemonade Day. Yeah. Parents, kids, everybody. Yeah, so listen next week, mm-hmm. 12 to 1 p.m., they're going to be here live. And always remember
2: to serve God by serving others.
1: All right. Have a great week, guys.